Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Humans of Speedway, and this, the first episode of 2022, a year which is going to be crammed with top-level action. In the next few episodes of this series, we're going to focus on hearing from some of British Speedway's rising stars, the next generation of riders who hope to take themselves and their country to the top levels of World Speedway. Jordan Palin is my next guest, and despite being only 17 years old and originally not even knowing what Speedway was, has a natural talent on a speedway bike, which has seen him already become a British junior champion and a premiership champion with Peterborough. But for Jordan, this is just the start and his sights are firmly fixed right at the very top of World Speedway. It's the first time that we've had a guest on this podcast whose career lays ahead of them and through the next hour or so, the aim is to give you a bit of an insight into the sheer amount of work and dedication which goes on behind the scenes, which many of us never see. And not only are we speaking to Jordan, but also his mum, Becky, who explains how the whole family worked to support him in his racing and what it's like as a parent to watch your son racing. I trust Jordan 100% on his bike. Um, I think Jordan's a pretty safe rider and wouldn't do anything intentionally to hurt anybody else. But yeah, I'm terrified. I'm always terrified. The minute he puts his helmet on, um, I'm scared. First though, I want to play you a clip from one of my previous guests on Humans of Speedway, a fairly recent one, Phil Lanning. And to give you some context of the potential that Jordan has. Now, Phil has worked as a publicist to stars such as Ty Woofenden, Jason Crump, Gary Havelock and Emil Saifutinov, to name just a few. And so he knows the type of character needed to get to the top of World Speedway. For me, Jordan Palin is one of the hottest prospects in British Speedway, if not in British motorsport. Athleticism, he's got the right attitude. And Jordan Palin, as far as I'm concerned, out of this entire young breed of, or new generation of riders coming through, is the one who can go all the way as well. I, there's, there's no doubt about that in my mind. I've, there takes an awful, about, a, an awful lot of luck is involved in that. There's, you know, he's got to steer clear of injuries and whatever. But if all goes to plan, Jordan Palin is going to go right to the top. He's got that raw 
energy, that raw talent, and he's got um, something about him. He's got a bit of an X factor. He's got an awe about him that makes him different from the rest. And uh, he's he's got it. And and Jordan is going to be something very very special in, in my mind. World champion written all over him. It's not a bad intro as they go, is it? So please welcome to Humans of Speedway, the rising star of Peterborough and Scunthorpe, Jordan Palin. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And I'm looking forward for a chat. Me too. And let's start sort of up to date, really, because looking back at last season, <laughs> you're 17 years old um, and only just turned 17. And you had the ultimate work experience, really, didn't you, with, with Peterborough Panthers? Being in that team of of people who have been there, seen it, and done it at the very highest level, you're the rising star. But I mean, some of the knowledge you must have got must have been fantastic. And then ultimately to win a league title as well in the Premiership must have been an absolutely fantastic feeling. Yeah, it was a bit unreal, really. I saw a few interviews of uh, people going on about our team, and everyone uh, Jurgen called them the Dad's Army, as you've probably seen. But uh, it was the underdogs, and we came in. Uh, and won the league and uh, shocked a few people, which we uh, we all knew we wanted to win the league at the beginning of the season. That was all our goal. And like you said on the experience, like if I was struggling in the pit, if I had a question, they had the answer. I couldn't have asked for any anything much better, really. So, yeah, I'm really fortunate. I owe them a lot for teaching me a lot of stuff. And what sort of stuff did you learn? Because obviously in that team you had Scott Nichols, Hans Anderson, Bjarne Pedersen, Chris Harris, Ulrich Ostergaard, obviously a who's who of riders who have, have been and, and won Grand Prix rounds as well. What sort of things have you learnt from that? It's just like mainly stuff with uh, self and stuff, just some things I wouldn't even consider in my mind, what they might just say, like a silly comment, they might just slip what my tiny night around and score a few more points, which could help you, which you wouldn't even consider of, really. But even the likes of just watching how Biani works, he's super professional, a great sportsman, and I just learned so much of him just watching how he conducted himself. It's just such a great team to be a part of. Like, everyone really treat like a team. Cause there's no worse than being a team where everyone's kind of keeping to themselves. There's not a lot of team spirit, but I have no complaints about being at Peterborough. Like, obviously... Rob Lyon did his job and he was a very good team manager and every decision he did uh, paid off in his favour. So, yeah, it was good and it was great to be a part of. And you all really embraced this Dad's Army thing, which started off as a joke, but even at the end of the uh, season, your end of season do, you all arrived in army gear. Um, whose idea was that to get dressed up? Uh, I think it was uh, Rob Lyon's idea to uh, go in the Dad's Army thing, but um, I'm still a bit lost on all the old... Dad's Army T-shirts. I think it was before my time, but I've never seen it, so I just kind of roll with it and pretend like I know what they're on about. <laughs> I'm sure if you look on UK Gold, it won't be long before it comes on. Um, looking ahead to next year, then Dad's Army Mark Two. Um, you're all back for a second series, apart from Viana Pedersen, who's retired. Benjamin Basso comes into the side, who probably lowers the age quite a bit, the average age of the of the Peterborough team, but. You start from a different point of, of not being underdogs in 2022. Everybody's going to be coming after you, aren't they, at, at Peterborough? Because you are the reigning champions. Well, yeah, definitely. Obviously, when you're uh, defending your title, there's only one way to do it, and that's to win it back-to-back -back again. And uh, we've got the same team, like you mentioned, which is all good, because we've all bonded uh, like this season. So, yeah, I do have to do that. So, them early meetings where everyone's bonding and maybe making a few mistakes, we've already got them... Uh, locked in and everyone's good mates and all that so 
Yeah, I'm really looking forward to go back. It's uh, it was a good laugh, and they treated me really well. Everything I ever asked for, they did. So there's no complaints going there, and I'm uh, really um, happy to be part of their team again. And for you personally, you've got that experience now of the Premiership because it wasn't long ago you were racing in the National League or even lower than that, and now you're at the very top level in the league champions team and you kind of know what you're going to be facing and, you know, in terms of the calibre of the riders you're going to be coming up against and, and all that. So you must be going in feeling much more confident about the season ahead for you personally. Yeah, definitely. I know what I'm walking into now where I was a bit blind last year. I didn't know what to expect. Didn't know if I was going to go and just get absolutely slaughtered or maybe pull a few races out the uh, hat, which I feel like I did. And I uh, slowly improved throughout the year. So that's all I'm aiming for this year, just keep climbing up the ladder and just keep taking little steps forward and hopefully not many back. So you're the rising star with Peterborough, but with Scunthorpe, um, you're in the main body of the team. And, and Rob Godfrey fancies that you're going to have a cracking season this year, so much so he's tipping you to end up as their number one. Um, that's the aim, at least, from from Rob. You're, you're not feeling the pressure there, no? He wants to see me at number <laughs> one by the end of the season, he keeps saying, but I've got no... Um... No wishes like that, really. I mean, I would love to be at number one, but for me, it's just keep scoring points consistently away in uh, home. And um, if I end up at number one, so be it. But um, I just need to keep getting my points in for the team and hope we can get a title for Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe perhaps just missing that little bit of luck that you need last season just came up a little bit short, didn't they, when it came to the, the playoffs and all. But, you know, without that, you, you wonder, without the injuries such as to yourself and, and others, you wonder what might have been, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. I think it was a bit unlucky, really. I think it was the away matches what really didn't do us any favours. We was really strong at home. And I think we only lost one match, I think, or even if that. And um, But away, we was um, hardly winning. So I think that's where we got let down. Even myself wasn't too good away. So hopefully this year we can turn that around and uh, be strong away and home. And I feel like we've got a very good chance of uh, winning the league. And looking at the um, Premiership now, we know most of the teams. Obviously, there's still a few uh, key places to be announced with, with various clubs. But looking out from your position being a Peterborough rider, um, who have you got your eye on and, and maybe that you, you're tipping to, to be your main challenges? I think it's hard to um, say a team, really, because most, most likely the strongest team on paper doesn't always win. It's always the ones what you... Um, don't expect and they creep up behind everyone scoring a few league points as each match and then before you know it they're in the final um, racing for the uh, the trophy so I think it looks every team looks strong which I think is good for the sport because no one just wants one team what's winning everywhere I think it's good to have close racing so hopefully we get a few good battles this year uh, just to talk about Poland um, briefly, we all know that Poland is um, obviously a, a very big country when it comes to Speedway. One or two of the news websites, Speedway websites in Poland, are perhaps surprised that you haven't been picked up by a Polish side so far, considering you know, you're a title winner, you're a great rider, and you've been riding for Great Britain as well. Um, why have you not made that move to Poland just yet and, and is it something that you intend to do at some point when I'm, I feel like when I'm ready at the moment I feel like I could go and maybe hold my own but I don't just want to go on a scrape by I want to go on a make a big name for myself and score points week in and week out and ride there so I feel like when I'm ready and um, I know I'm going to do um, well for myself out there I feel like I'll go for then I think that's a pretty smart idea to be honest because we, we know that they have these squad systems and if you do get your chance and you don't perform you know that can be you out <laughs> simple as that and it can be a very harsh environment Poland as well can't it for a rider 
Yeah, definitely. If you go and have a couple of bad meetings, it can um, and you get slaughtered, it can um, pop up with a black book on your name, really. And I just don't really want that. I just want to go and um, just if when I go over, keep progressing and uh, climb up the ranks. And you also made the front cover of the Speedway Star recently too. That must have been pretty cool to see uh, to see yourself staring back from the shelves in Tesco or wherever. Yeah, it was um, it was good. I've always wanted to be on the front cover. I've been working hard to. Um, Okay, I don't know when I finally saw it. It was um, it was nice. It was nice to see all the uh, hard work got there, and um, yeah, it was nice to see it. You're listening to Humans of Speedway. We're joined by Jordan Palin in this episode, but not only Jordan, because what we want to do in this episode is really shine a light on how much work goes on both on a day-to-day basis for a speedway rider, and also over the years to get from where Jordan was as a lad just having a go on a motorbike, to being in a a championship-winning team because that takes a lot of work. And him being the age he is, through your teenage years, you need the support of your family. And so to get a little bit more information on on the process, really, behind uh, Jordan's success, uh, we're joined also by Becky Palin, who is Jordan's mum, and um, she's going to tell us a little more about... um, Jordan's progression and and the family's support that's gone into to getting Jordan to where he is. But Jordan, first to you, tell us about how bikes and your journey really started towards uh, heading towards Speedway in the first place. Um, I think my mum and dad just bought me a little motocross bike just to uh, we have a local quarry near where I live, and I just used to ride around on that just for fun, really. And then I went sand racing when I was about 10 years old and uh, with my granddad because he used to race crash track back in his day. And then one of his mates was there, Lee Dickin, and he said you should come to Scunthorpe mini track just to have a blast round. And then ever since then, it's just kind of gone from there. I've kind of really lost track of time, really. I bought my first speeder bike when I was about 10 or 11. And ever since then, it's just been rolling like non-stop. I've been looking behind and I'm here now. A lot of people's ears will prick up when they hear the name Lee Dickin because, of course, he rode for a number of clubs across British Speedway, but particularly um, Hull Speedway, which is where the connection um, comes in. But for you personally, Jordan, the interesting thing is that you'd never, until getting on a Speedway bike, you you didn't know anything about Speedway. Yeah, I didn't. Honestly, I didn't really have a... didn't know the sport really existed when I was younger. And then I went, and the first couple of uh, times I didn't really want a fan. Uh, first I went, I'd say I'd hated it, and then I went back a couple more times, and then once I got the hang of it, sliding the bike and stuff, I kind of got the bug for it, and now I love it. I wouldn't, couldn't imagine life without Speedway, really. So, yeah, like Lee Dickin, Wayne Carter, they were the sort of ones that just got me going, teaching me the basics of like bike maintenance and how to handle a bike, and then ever since then, I was just learning. And some great names there that you mentioned to, to sort of start you off on your journey. Becky, to you, Jordan's mum, were you a, a Speedway fan? Do you know what you're getting yourself into when, when Speedway was mentioned? Oh, yeah, we used to go in um, 2000 to Hull Speedway. Um, and I had Jordan's sister and we stopped going. Um, we had a big break from it and didn't really think anything about it. Um, and then, we, like I say, we saw Lee Dickin at the sand racing. And then... Um, been non-stop ever since and so you're a speedway fan you you understand what the sport's about you know that it's bikes with no brakes it's not the you know the safest of hobbies if we can if we can compare it to, to the other things that that youngsters might want to take up was there any apprehension then from your part 
uh, as a parent really knowing the the dangers of speedway when, when he when he took this up as a hobby in any way how did that go at first it was just exciting and it was something to do on a weekend and his granddad and granny got involved um so we used to go to Scunthorpe and um, then John asked for his own speedway bike, which my mum and dad got for him. Um, then we just went along. We used to go to Rye House, Northside, um, every single weekend. And we just enjoyed it. It was just a day out. I used to record it on the recorder, bring it home, and the family would watch it in the living room. Um, yeah, and it went from there. And then he, Lee said, join him up with the Young Lions. Um, so we joined him up with Neil Batcher and the Young Lions. And you started racing the British Youth, didn't you? Yeah. Um, and then it was still exciting then. Um, a bit terrifying from the sidelines just watching him because it's ours, isn't it? We don't want him to get hurt. As a mum, you want to do everything to protect him. But um, we knew that he had everything on possible to protect him if he came off. So we just let him go along with it and we're there to support him. And for you, Jordan, it's the same thing, isn't it? You know, it, it, it is a, a hobby that can certainly hurt at, at that stage. But, you know, you, you're showing now that you can you can get somewhere and it can be a career for you as well. Yeah, definitely. Like a lot of people say, it's high risk and high, high reward. So you uh, definitely take the risk. And if you play your cards right, you definitely get the reward. There's no doubt about that. But you've just got to think smart and work hard. And uh, eventually, hopefully, I'll be there. And Becky, for you, and Jordan just mentioned it, you know, it is high risk. Speedway is a is a high risk sport, especially at, at the top level. For you as a parent watching Jordan race, what's that like? Because I imagine in some ways it's more terrifying than Jordan actually riding the bike because at least Jordan is in control of his bike and he knows what's happening in the race. Whereas for you as a spectator on the sidelines watching and every time a, another bike goes near him or he gets close to the fence, it must be heart in your mouth time and you know, frankly terrifying. It certainly is. And I've always said I trust Jordan 100% on his bike. Um, I think Jordan's a pretty safe rider and wouldn't do anything intentionally to hurt anybody else. Um, we've been pretty lucky. I don't think he's had many races with anybody that's done anything that I've had a niggle with. Um, but yeah, I'm terrified. I'm always terrified. The minute he puts his helmet on, um, I'm scared. But we do it, we support him. He loves doing it. Um, so we just go along with it and then we're there every step of the way for him. A lot of people don't realise how many family members and close friends are involved in one speedway rider. You have got your own little team there haven't you uh, around Jordan and how do you watch the meetings now do you watch from afar are, are you there at all the meetings uh, watching on from the sidelines um I go still to every single meeting with him some people laugh oh Jordan you've got your mum with you but um I've been, there, I've been there from day dot um we've got a good relationship and I um I don't see any reason why I shouldn't be there to support him I don't go in the pits because I know nothing about bikes whatsoever um I stay out the way um, but I need to be there for me. And he's, he's only young. He still needs me there. He's probably going to shout at me for saying that. And for you, Jordan, obviously you, you, your parents are really critical to your development in terms of going through the Speedway ladder. And you mentioned joining up there with uh, the, the, the Young Lions, but you mentioned some of the places you've been. You're based in um, East Yorkshire, but going to places like Rye House or Northside, you know, even even Northside's relatively close to you, but it's still the other side of the country. And you need your parents and the support of your family to, to get you there, don't you, at the very least? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Without the support of my family, it's uh, without question I wouldn't be here. Uh, even talking to you or I won't be riding. It's, um, 
because at that level you're not earning money from riding. It's all um, a little sponsorship you can maybe find by a young age. It's obviously hard to find um, very good sponsorship. So you're relying on your family, really. They're all working hard um, every day of the week, really, to try and fund your racing. So, yeah, it's very grateful for them all to uh, help me out. A lot of people, I suppose, have had a go at Speedway at some point, and Jordan obviously did it at an early age. But you mentioned, Becky, about how it was something that you did on a weekend. It was a bit of a day out. It was it was a fun thing. It was exciting. When did that change to, actually, there's something here. You know, he's, he's, he's really good at this, and there could be, you know, a future in Speedway for Jordan. It's obviously him and his sister would support him 110% in everything that they want to do. Um, and when people started saying to us, like, he's really good on a bike, and I used to think, oh, yeah, but it's Jordan, it's ours. Um, yeah, and we thought, right, let's do this. Like, I'm not a quitter. If I put my mind to something, we, we do it till the end, and that's what he wants to do. Um, we all work hard for him, but I must say over winter, now he's started to work hard himself because he's old enough to work throughout the winter, and he works really hard. He puts every single penny back into his racing. Um, and we obviously help him out there. Um, he's got a lot of good sponsors too that obviously help him out. But like I say, we're all a team. We all work together. Um, and that seems to be working for him. And the team really is the whole family, isn't it? And, and a few close friends as well, as you mentioned. And that includes your parents as well, Becky, and um, Jordan's grandparents, who have moved house to help give Jordan better facilities. Uh, tell us about that. Oh, my poor mum and dad moved um, 15 miles down the road for to be closer to us so Jordan could um, have a workshop close by to us because at that moment in time we didn't have a garage. Um, so they actually moved house for him. Um, so he's got his workshop now, my mum and dad's, and every year we improve, improve the workshop and it gets better and better in there for him. So he's got everything he needs. Um, and it's just, we don't know everything and we're still learning. So we're trying to, well, we're building premiership bikes, but it was just a National League rider blessing. Um, so we're trying really hard, aren't we? And we're picking up different things all the time. And um, we've got Nick Thorpe, he helps us out a lot and he's been to the top with um, some riders. So he knows a lot um, and he's always trying to advise us. And um, we feel like we're getting there, we're on the right track. Um, but every day, every day we're learning something different, aren't we? And Jordan, for you, with regards to Speedway as a career, you know, you're a, a teenager. Many of your friends, I imagine, are still deciding what they want to do with their life, whether they're going to go to university and if so, where and to study what. But for you, you've got this career path now, which has stemmed from your hobby, which is fantastic. Um, when did it dawn on you, really, that this, you know, this could be a career for you, Speedway? And, you know, you are pretty good at it. Um Probably only last year or so, I felt like I could really earn um, a good career about this. Because like when I started, like I said, when I was training, so I didn't even know you could get paid for it. It was just a hobby for me, really, just something I loved. I just wanted to do on the weekends. And then you get more into it, you chew more, and then um, you just keep getting better. You meet more people, you climb the ladder, and then you just kind of hear stories of people earning money in this. And I realised you'd get paid for it. And then did my first year in National League, which is your first year you get paid for it professional really and then ever since then I've just seen riders like Nicky Pedersen stuff like that building their own houses and stuff just of how they've conducted themselves really and made it really like a sports athlete is what the way I want to go so yeah it's just looking up to them really and planning your future out. Your life is very different to the average 17 year old from Driffield I imagine um 
what do your friends make of 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 what you get up to with Speedway? Because obviously, you know, you, you're a professional sportsman at, at the age of seventeen, um, and probably you know a lot of them, as I say, are, are not even at university yet. So, what what do they make of it all? Uh, I think they found it quite uh, weird at uh, a certain point because they all just knew I just used to go out and ride it for fun, really, and then. It's like seeing my interviews pop up on the news feed and stuff, and I thought, what's, they think they, I think they thought, what's going on here? I found it quite weird, and then I brought them to the final at Peterborough where we won the league, and there's people coming up to me asking me for my autograph and all that sort of stuff, and I think they found it a bit crazy, really. But, yeah, they have a really good set of friends. They're real supportive, and uh, they kind of understand what I do, so it helps a lot. But at the same time, you know, you you do sacrifice a little bit in your life, don't you? Because you can't live the average life of a of a seventeen year old. Because you are a professional sportsman, you're in the public eye, and you know you have to stay fit and healthy for your career. And it means that you can't go out and do all the things that maybe a lot of your your friends would be doing at, at your age. Yeah, definitely. Because obviously, at my age, all my friends are going out partying, drinking, and all that uh, fun stuff. But Obviously, I can't do that, and um, I'm not too sad about missing out. And I'd rather be riding my uh, speedway bike instead of going out partying. So it's just the uh, sacrifices you have to make if you want to make in the sport, I guess. And Becky, one more question for you. Um, you mentioned earlier that you know you were a speedway fan. You used to go and watch Hull Vikings um, at Craven Park twenty or so years ago. Now that you're involved in Speedway on the other side of the air fence and sort of the curtain of Speedway has been pulled back a little bit and you get to see what goes on behind the scenes, what's the biggest surprise for you or the, the biggest thing that you've you've learned that you never realised when you were a fan? The extremely hard work that goes in every single day of the year. There's not a day that doesn't go by that we don't talk about something or something that needs to be done or something we can improve on or something... Um, something within the team that we can change. Um, it's constantly there. It doesn't go away. We want Jordan involved. We all want Jordan, and Jordan wants to be the best. Um, so we just work really hard on that. Um, we've got engines sat in the bedroom now, keeping warm to go back in these bikes. They're nearly, nearly rebuilt, aren't they? Ready, yeah. ready to go. And over Christmas, he's been working hard on his time off and rebuilding his bikes. Um, it just doesn't stop and. His sister, we're really fortunate with her. She's part of the team as well because she's, I wouldn't say suffered, but she's had to put things on the back burner. We've missed holidays and things like that so Jordan can race. Um, so it does, it takes over your life. Um, but that's what we want. We want him to do the best. So we continue with that. You're listening to Humans of Speedway. I'm Ian Brannan. My guest is Jordan Palin, and that was the voice of Becky Palin, Jordan's mum. And we'll hear from the pair of them in just a couple of moments when we're going to turn the focus on Jordan's ambitions. Where does he see himself in the future? And also we'll learn more about his dream Speedway meeting as well before the end. It's all to come on Humans of Speedway. You're listening to Humans of Speedway. I'm Ian Brannan, and in this episode, speaking with a rising star, and uh, he is Jordan Palin. And usually when we're doing these uh, episodes in the past, I'm speaking to, to people who have, at the very least, had the best years of their career, um, shall we say, in Speedway. And, and, and more often than not, it's people who have who've retired or, or moved away from the sport in, in, in some way as well. But with Jordan... It's all in front of him. He's 17 years old. He's he's only 
just a year or two older than, than the minimum requirement to be able to ride a speedway bike in one of the British leagues. Uh, but he's already a league title winner with Peterborough and um, he's, he's getting ready for a, a big season again with Peterborough in 2022 and uh, with Scunthorpe as well. And, you know, there's, there's a long way to go and it's very exciting to, to think the, the things he could achieve. Jordan, what is your ambition in Speedway then? What, what is the dream for you? I'd say I'm just working really hard. I've got some very good sponsors on board with me, which I want to uh, obviously have long-term sponsorships. That's the uh, main goal, really, because obviously need financial backing to get to them top meetings. But um, I'd say mainly, obviously, I want to be world champion. I've been dreaming that since I was uh, 12, 13, and uh, still dreaming that to this day. So I hope I can make that happen. Obviously, I'm very far away from that, and I'm just taking it little steps, but often, hopefully, and just got to keep grounded. I think that's my main focus. It's very easy to have won, like, a title. Uh, very easy to let that run off of your head with it, really. So I'm just kind of keep grounded, keep working hard, keep fit, and um, just keep, like, a small team around me, which I trust, and uh, hopefully we can just keep moving up them little ladders. I think a lot of fans will will like the sound of uh, the way you're talking there. You know, that's proper ambition that I want to be world champion. Have you thought about what happens should you achieve it? And the reason I say that is if people haven't listened to the Gary Havelock episode that we did yet, um, which I suggest you you should, because it is it is actually the most listened to one that uh, that we've ever done so far. But Havy there talks about having the same dream about wanting to be world champion. But for him, when he became world champion, he didn't know what he was going to do. He hadn't thought what would happen next should he win it. And so he won the world championship. It was like, and and yeah, it, it, it was a man without a plan. Have you thought what would happen beyond that? beyond potentially being a world champion even now? Uh, like you said, I think a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of interviews, not even just uh, speeder riders, but uh, different athletes, when they win the world champion, they're kind of like, what next? Because they've diverted their life to obviously that championship and then now they've got it, they're kind of sure of what to do now. But uh, for my main focus is I haven't thought of what I'm going to do after, but when I can get that world championship, hopefully, I think I've seen like Ty mentioning that when he got his, he wanted to be the have the most world championships to his name. So I think I'd probably hopefully go down that similar route. So if I do get it and then be the best speeder rider ever in the world, that will be the main focus. Wow, top stuff. And watch out Ivan Major because Jordan Palin's coming for those records eventually. <laughs> it's the plan. Who do you model yourself on then? Who's your speedway inspiration that, you know, you watch them race and, you know, you, you think that's that's how to do it. And then I want to be... I want to be that person and maybe you're taking things from how that person races and, and putting them into your, your own style and, and so on. I think definitely at the moment it's uh, Spartos Smarzlik. Just the way he rides the bike is um, totally different to everyone else. The amount, just like the straights, how much longer he makes the straights to everyone else and just how he gets so much speed out of the bike is uh, unreal and I think he's definitely changing the way the speedwell bike's getting ridden at the moment. Everyone's kind of looking at him as the uh, the mark point and going off that. So I definitely look up to him as a riding style and just how he gets every bit of power out of his bike. And the thing is that at the end of the last season, it was Great Britain versus Poland at that meeting in Glasgow. And, and there you are, you're racing alongside 
your idol and, and no better way to keep an eye on how he's riding than, than being with him on the track. Yeah, it was pretty crazy, really, because a year ago, I'd probably be, uh, if I saw him at that match, I'd probably be lining up for his autograph and now I'm uh, side by side to him at the starting gate. So it was pretty surreal, really. But once you put your helmet on and stuff, you kind of forget who everyone is. You're just there to do your job. And But as much as you can say that, it's still in the back of your mind that you're racing against Smars Lick. Uh, the world champion so it was pretty crazy it took me probably blew me back a bit but i enjoyed it and it was great tremendous stuff and, and fantastic experience for you to see him not only out on the track but how he operates off the track as well in the pits and so on yeah definitely picked up a lot of stuff uh watching him how he worked in the pits and stuff and just watching how he worked with his team and all that stuff and Jordan's mum, Becky, is still with us. And for you, Becky, and, and for the whole family, it must have been a hugely proud moment to see Jordan lining up for Team Great Britain in that test match against Poland um, in Glasgow at the, at the end of last season on you know, a fantastic occasion f- for you to see him alongside some of these you know, icons of the sport like Bartosz Schmarschlik and so on. That actually blew our minds, the whole team, really. We knew what Jordan was going into and it was the biggest thing in all his years of racing um, but we was also excited and it was an honour to be part of that um, I walked into the pits actually to say good luck to him at the start of that meeting and he was sat there and I just thought oh it looks like a baby amongst them all um, but he did us proud he always does us proud he went out and he did his best um, and yeah I don't, we didn't expect anything from that meeting for Jordan but for Great Britain to win that meeting was amazing too. Um, so it was really it was really an honour to be part of that. But he wants to be part of that more. He wants to keep going. He wants to be one of the best for them. And of course, um, Great Britain winning the Speedway of Nations is, is a fantastic start to, to getting some silverware back in the British cabinet after so long. But Speedway World Cup is back on the agenda and that's going to mean more riders are going to be involved in in that event um, as opposed to the you know the pairs and maybe that will provide more opportunities for you Jordan and, and surely that's something that you're going to be having your eye on isn't it? Yeah I think that's every um, rider's goal really if um, you want to make it really it's the pinnacle of the sport really riding for your country it's a great honour and it's always uh, nice having the holding the flag up when, you, uh, when we hopefully win again. People are sitting up and taking notice of the Great Britain Speedway team and not just for what's happening on the track because there's much more that goes on that people don't see, you know, like practice sessions which happen all times of year, really, for, for, for riders. There's there's various development and coaching that goes on, as I say, but not just on the track but off the track too, um, t- to make you the best that you can be and, and really give guys like yourself, you know, the younger guys, a real education in, in what it takes to be the best in Speedway and, and, and to help you then follow in their footsteps? I think they give you everything you need, really. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes with Rob and Vicky to do. And every rider who's in Team G is very grateful for that. There's a lot of stuff the fans might not see, like you said. But um, I think mainly it's like if you need something... What you might not know, you can pick up your phone and ring anyone in the squad, whether that be your diet, your fitness, bike stuff, just setup-wise, any knowledge on everything, they'll have the answer to it. So it's mainly they're giving you all the uh, the pieces of the puzzle and you've just got to put it together yourself, really. So 
Yeah, I think they're just giving you everything you need uh, to get to that next level, and it's very professional. And I think it's taken as it's proven we beat Poland, which not not many people would think we do, but it's um it's making us very much more of a professional sports team. And getting all the team together is um is is something that they do regularly, and you have these team building events. Um, here's a, a little story that that Phil Lanning told us when I did the episode with him and and this story doesn't feature in that episode this was after the event but here is um, a little story that that involves you um, told by Phil when they did the uh, they had a performance camp for Great Britain in Southampton and on the Sunday they had all their young riders go out and all their senior riders go out with the Royal Marines and there was a hurricane that day of all the days and they went out and Jordan Palin went through, they had to carry big packs of logs and stuff across the thing. Jordan Palin won the day. He beat the Marines, he beat his own guys, and the Royal Marines said to him at the end of the night, at the end of the day, he said, by the way, if you don't make it as a speed rider, can you come and join the Marines? Because you are absolutely brilliant. And I think that when you see that amount of athleticism and attitude and, and determination from somebody, you know he's going to go all the way. So, so if it all goes wrong, you could be in the Royal Marines. Is that uh, is that right? Yeah, we did a training afternoon with the Royal Marines. How you said, and uh, it was pretty. Uh, it was an experience. I'll say that uh, we all kind of rocked up, not taking it serious because they were shouting at us. Everyone was laughing, and then soon we did about hundred press ups later, and everyone was saying yes, sir. And it was uh, it was a good experience. It was a good laugh once it was over. It was a bit bit brutal while we was doing it but it was good team bonding exercise because you had to work together or you wouldn't have gone through it so yeah it was good and I would uh, do it again and always good to have the Royal Marines on your side as well you never know when you'll need their help um some other help that you've got in your pit corner though is um is Nick Thorpe now Nick Thorpe is the younger brother of um Paul Thorpe who many will remember from his riding days uh, I do at Bradford the Macclesfield flyer uh, but he was also of course at, at Hull as well and, and and many other teams but but Nick is a hugely experienced speedway mechanic and he's worked right at the top level we're talking Speedway Grand Prix, helping riders like Scott Nichols, uh, worked with Carl Stonehewer and, and many others. But now he's working with you, um, sorting your bikes out, which, as we touched on earlier, you are young and you as a family are still learning a lot about Speedway. But to have someone with, with his experience in your corner has got to be a huge boost. Yeah, exactly. You need, like, need someone like that with your... Uh your bike building and just keeping on top of your bikes because obviously you haven't done it before you don't know what you're doing and it looks going into that um, whole world of bike maintenance is very uh, like scary if you've never done it before like myself so it's just each year I'm learning and trying to improve my bikes each year and obviously last year I went to uh, Nick's for a week to build all my bikes and just learn and try and do it myself so and I learned a lot so I can Two years ago, I wouldn't have a clue if you said build a bike, but now I can uh, build one all myself. So it's uh, it's worked, and um, I enjoy bike building now. And it's something you obviously have to do a lot in the season, a lot of bike cleaning. So you just kind of have to get on with it, grit your teeth, and uh, get the jet wash out. Yeah, and it's not a quick job, that is it? How how long does it take you to strip your bike down, clean it, and put it back together again? Uh, yeah, probably on average, it probably takes me about five to six hours to do a full bike. Um, which is what the fans don't really see sometimes. Like if you don't know the uh, the backs of it, really, you think you put your bike in the van, you go home, stop at McDonald's or something, um, 
and pull your uh, bike out the van the next meeting and off you go. But it's a lot of um, dedicated hours in the workshop, getting stuff right. And, um, yeah, you have to or everything just starts falling apart. And um, that's when you really see other riders push to a different level about three quarters of the season. If you keep your equipment on top form, that's when you can really catch other riders out and uh, improve for yourself. And it must make you feel good and confident as you come into the pits, though. You know, your, your bikes are all set up nicely. They're gleaming and, you know, you look the part. And it, it sends out a message, I suppose, that you mean business to, to the other riders in the pits as well, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And at, like, um, now we now we have the other ride. You have to keep on top of it because everyone's got new stuff and everything's kept to tip-top condition. So it's like kind of jumping your car when it's... Um, You've just got it valeted or something. There's no better than getting in a clean car and there's uh, no better than getting on a brand-new clean bike. And th- there is someone else who has been helping you through the years to, to, to the point so far who um, unfortunately recently passed away and, and a number of people within Speedway will know of the name of Martin Woodhead who was known as a, being an epic bike builder and a, and a bike restorer as well bringing some of the old bikes uprights back to life but he's worked very closely with you over the years even as as recently as you know the past recent months and, until his death and helping you not just with your bike but also um, with riding Speedway as well in, in your style and, and, and how you ride a bike yeah, definitely. Martin was a uh, great man, as many of us know, and it's uh, definitely sad times for all his family and us and his friends. Uh, yeah, it was very good. He played a key role in my uh, in my team. He came on a trip to uh, Checker with me, him and Nick, not not long back, and he um, helped me out. He was kind of like the third eye watching in the pits, because obviously when you're in the thick of it, you can't see everything, so you sort of step back and... Uh, watched everything and told me what was going on, which was very grateful for him, and he was a great man. He just picked something up with my uh, starts, which um, wasn't a massive thing, but made a massive difference, really, just with um, just where you position your legs at the start, really. He told me to try something different, and I tried it, and it, uh, it worked. Ever since then, I've been doing it, and it was uh, it was great to have someone just to tell me stuff like that. And some great experience from over the years there as well um, in Martin and all the people you've got around you. But one thing that didn't exist um, back then, in fact, until, what, 2007, 2008, was um, social media. Now, you've grown up in, 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 in the Facebook world, I suppose, where many people haven't, but it has given fans um a new way of of keeping in contact with riders and and usually it's positive but of course you're always going to get a few idiots that um you know speak without thinking (laughs) shall we put it with the best will in the world um how do you react to that you know you you have a, a an awful meeting maybe it's completely out of your hands um and then you've got people having a go at you online how do you cope with that and is that something you've had to cope with you always get the negative comments, like you said, you always focus on, you can have a hundred positive ones and uh, one negative one, but you'll just focus on the negative one and um, think, like, what did I do to get that comment? But um, if everyone, most people understand, like, every, in every sport, there's always going to be negative comments, that's just how it is in anything. You can't please everyone, so I feel like I just kind of, but yeah, uh, when I started getting a few and that, but I'm pretty lucky, really, I get uh, mostly positive ones, um, but um, you just feel like I just it just comes with the deal really. It's part of it, and um, if anything, it spices it um, spices it up a bit. 
And, and Becky, to you, you know, Jordan's just mentioned there, you know, he sort of takes a bit of motivation from it. But also it comes back to, to all of you, doesn't it? If if Jordan has a, a bad meeting and people start having a go online, it, it you know, it must be a little bit demoralising in a way, especially when they're, they're saying that you're not trying or you're not doing this right, not doing that right, because that's that's not the case. It's just sometimes it doesn't go your way, maybe. Yeah, that's how it is, isn't it? Um, sometimes we all go to work and we have a bad day, don't we? Sometimes every day is not perfect, and obviously that happens like with Jordan. Sometimes he'll come off after a meeting and he won't be particularly happy because he's not scored what he wants to score, Or but that's not through lack of hard work or wanting to. It's just sometimes it's a bad day. Yeah, we all have them some days. Um, Jordan, what are you doing in the in the winter then to to keep uh, to keep fit and, and and relax? I suppose in this in this off part of the season, what what sort of things do you like to get up to in your own time? Uh, well, mainly in the winter, really. I've just been working at the minute, which isn't no fun. But um, more hobbies, really. I like to go on my motocross bike, do a bit of motocrossing, enduro, and just keep fit, really. And uh, just chill out and uh, enjoy the uh, off season. And, and what what is the job that you're doing then? What's your your alternative career away from Speedway for Jordan Palin? Uh, I'm a ground worker. I'm just working on a building site at the minute, which is uh, too fun at this time of the year with the weather, but it's, uh, it's got to be done. Keeps you fit, though, I suppose, but a um, bit of a gear change from, from your summer job, though, isn't it? Yeah, you definitely. I'm, I'm at work every day thinking, Jesus, I need to... Um, I hope I'm making Speedway. I don't really want to be doing this for the rest of my life, but um, <laughs> it's got to be done. It's got to be done. I, um, I don't know, I get up and go to work and... Um, invest all back in my speedway so hopefully I can make it there and what's your schedule between now and and, and starting then obviously you mentioned you, you're working but when are you going to be getting back on a speedway bike again and, and what's the training between now and then probably the, um, probably about the end of February I'll start um, getting on a bike getting back used to it again because it's always a bit rusty the first time you get back on anything. I always, I always think I've forgotten how to ride so it's always nice just to have Back in your uh, mind that you know I was a ride again. So, um, yeah, probably the end of February I'll get on a bike. And um, at the minute I'm just getting from work for fitness, really, getting from work. And then I'll go on my run, I'll do whatever training session I'm doing and then just kind of live that day in and day out, really. That's Jordan Palin. At the time of recording this, he's 17 years old. I'm saying that from the point of view of somebody, in case you're listening to this in some sort of time capsule 50 years from now, looking back on his career. (laughs) We're very much looking ahead to it. And next, we're going to discover a little bit more about the importance of sponsors and the costs associated with Speedway. And also we'll find a little bit about uh, Jordan's dream Speedway meeting. Who'd make his all-time 1-7? to What's his dream track? And much more. All answered next on Hugh. Humans of Speedway. Welcome back to Humans of Speedway. Of course, if you are enjoying listening to this podcast, please do leave us a review on whichever app you use because it does help other Speedway fans to uh, to discover us and check us out and um, hopefully uh, enjoy some of our uh, episodes that we've got, including this one. And we're in conversation with Jordan Palin, who uh, is going to be telling us about his dream Speedway meeting in just a few moments. Um, First of all, Jordan, I just want to touch on a very important part of of being a Speedway rider, and increasingly so as you try and get up the ladder of Speedway, and that is sponsors. For the benefit of those that don't understand why you've got so many names on your race suit, um, what difference does that make to you um, having 
regular and loyal sponsors as part of your team. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely like a safety cushion, really. So obviously, if you get injured, you're not earning anything, um, and you've obviously still got bills to pay for. Well, like if you're older, obviously I'm still young, so I've got a house to pay for, a family. But obviously, the older riders have bills to pay for, so you can really come and help them. Um, so yeah, it's just like trying to stay injury free and just all that good stuff. But then it's like a roller coaster what you're earning really. Some weeks you're cashing it in and then if you have a bit of a poor week then you're trying to scrape and pay for your engine service or something. But it's, it all comes hand in hand and um, there's nothing worse than going to me and thinking you've got to score this many points to pay for whatever it will be. So it's always good just to fully focus on your racing and then obviously the points come after and i'm very uh, grateful to all my sponsors and um obviously to any rider sponsors are such a key part in the team because without them you wouldn't be riding it wouldn't be possible to to race each meeting so yeah i'm very grateful for them. i'm just trying to build long-term sponsorships for the uh for the future and everything so yeah it's like it's your sponsors they look after you if you look after them so I'm very grateful and I want to say thank you to all my sponsors. And what are the most expensive parts of being a speedway rider for you? Well, at least for you, you know, your your costs, the things that really sort of eat into the old bank balance a little bit. Probably like your engine services, your clutch plates, just put fuel in the van. You obviously go do a lot of mileage. Um, the amount you spend on like petrol and diesel and that is just stupid, but you have to, you have to get there, don't you? So probably the most expensive part is uh, yeah, your engine services really because once you buy your bikes and everything and you get sort of a setup you kind of um they're all thereabouts really so you only have to pay for so much to keep them up to date um but yeah it'll be your uh, engine services your clutch plates and probably fuel all the bits that we don't get to see on the track but ultimately it leads to success on the track i i suppose uh yeah speedway is uh not for the faint-hearted, if, if you want it to be a success, as, as no doubt you've learned through the course of this uh, particular episode. Right now then on Humans of Speedway, in the final section, a little bit of fun, we are going to design Jordan Palin's Dream Speedway Meeting in our Speedway Paradise feature. Um, so it is uh, six questions or so. And uh, these are the six questions we ask uh, all of our guests. And you can listen back to previous episodes to see what uh, our respective guests have said to these. So it's uh, your dream track, um, the stadium you'd put it in, your all-time one to seven, who'd referee the meeting, a rule you'd change, and who would be the opposition. Those are the questions. So then, Jordan Palin, over to you to answer that uh, first question. Which track is your dream track? Which is your, your favourite out of all the ones you've uh, either ridden or experienced? Uh, I think it would have to be uh, Torrid. I think that's definitely my favourite track at the minute. Through uh, the tracks I've rode, so uh, definitely Torrid. Yeah, fantastic track. And, of course, um, the inspiration behind Bellevue, the National Speedway Stadium, quite a lot as well. We, we know it's modelled on that. But here's the thing. We all know, too, that... Torren, originally based on Bradford at Oddsall, and despite being 17, you've actually ridden a bike around Bradford, but not with any shale on. Yeah, I've, um, I've been and uh, done like a demo thing around the uh, Bradford because you have the concrete track still there, and I've rode around there. I think it'd be uh, just like a dream to ride around there. I've seen YouTube videos of races with the hair, uh, 
the stands packed with fans. So I think yeah, it'd be mint to get shale back down there and uh, get racing. Well, they got the shale back down, but just uh, no speedway. It's um, they've got the shale on for the for the stock cars now, but just need some uh, air fences. That's uh, that's what they're missing. But it'd be amazing because some great races I've seen there in in back in the day. Um, so okay, so that's um, that's Torren then as the track. Now, if we're putting it in a stadium, which stadium would you have it in? Yeah, uh, I think the answer is uh, Cardiff, really, just to get that uh, atmosphere. Like, I feel like it's no other stadium. What sort of has that atmosphere? If they have the same amount of fans, I feel like the sound just echoes off everyone. I've been there a couple of times, and it's just like it'd be amazing to ride in that atmosphere. Because you've grown up knowing nothing other than having a Cardiff Grand Prix on the on the on the calendar you know it's been going over 20 years now longer than you've been on on this planet and maybe extra chances for you to to live that dream because the the under 21 championships are going to be taken around in there as well on the the day after the main gp so maybe that could be something for the future for you too yeah I think every speedway rider like you said has dreams about riding a cardiff like myself it'd be uh be a bit surreal riding around there with the atmosphere and just how these sound echoes off everyone, really. The other day I was speaking to a rider who rode there and said he couldn't even hear his uh, engine at the start line, which would be pretty crazy. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't... Um, I'd like to ride there and it would be great. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you'd have a, a massive support if ever that did happen as well. Let's have a look at your dream one to seven right now. You were born in 2004. <laughs> it's probably fairly scary for some of people listening to this. But um, who would make your dream team then, Jordan? It'd have to be Ty Wuffenden, uh, Bartle Smarslick, ML, ML Saifudinoff, Greg Hancock. Jason Crum. Um, yeah, Eric Gunderson. He's one of my favourites. And um, Thomas Golub. Is that seven? It is seven, yeah. So what a lineup that is. Uh, Ty Woffenden, Bartol Schmarschlik, Emil Saifutinov, Greg Hancock, Jason Crump, Eric Gunderson, and Thomas Golub. What uh, a lineup that would be. Plenty of people would love to see those uh, all in their prime going uh, head to head. Um, would you, um, I mean, you're still very early on in your career, but who would be your dream referee if you have one? And, and I say that because obviously you've only been riding a couple of years in terms of the top level. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure you'll have uh, made any particular uh, acquaintances with referees as yet, have you? Not, not necessarily, really. I don't really know any uh, referees' names, to be honest. I've never had, uh, luckily this season, I had anything really to do with them, which you don't want, really. Never want um a referee who doesn't like you. So um, the only referee I really know the name of is, is it Craig Adroyd. That's the only referee I really know the name of. But um, so I can't kind of have any favourites or dislike any. So uh, hopefully I can keep on the good side of them. Yeah, well, if, if you don't know the, the the referees' names very well, that's pro- probably a good sign that you're, you're keeping out of trouble to a, to a fair extent, I suppose. So let's put Craig Ackroyd down as the uh, as the referee because I mean he is um, the British uh, the top British referee at the moment. I think uh, everybody would agree. Um, next question then for you uh, would be: Which rule would you change if you're going to mess with the rule book of, of Speedway? Which rule would you would you be fiddling with first? Uh, I feel after the starting. Um... Just though, um, if you jump it a bit, but don't switch the tapes, it gets pulled back, obviously. But I feel like they should just let that go. Um, 
a perfect start is that if you don't touch the tapes and you get going, it's a perfect start. So I feel like they should just leave that as it is because I've been watching a couple of meetings on TV where it's been pulled back a couple of times and it's just get, it just gets a bit boring watching. So I think to improve it for the fans and keep their... Um, keep them interested in the meeting, just let it go as long as you don't roll. And um, I feel like you would have a much more smoother running meeting. A lot of people say that. You know, I, I can't tell you how many people have said the same thing that, you know, about about the starts in some form, but particularly that, that, you know, if you just... Because sometimes I, we've got to remember that the, the bikes that you, you're riding, they, um, I think Scott Nichols mentioned this, actually, that it's very hard sometimes, especially later in a meeting when the, the, the start is all a bit more, you know, um, rucked up a little bit. You've got um, divots and all sorts to actually hold the bike still. It, it quite a heavy thing and, and the vibrations and it starts to sometimes roll itself. Uh, yeah, definitely. Especially if you've got a referee who will be holding the tapes down for a, longer than needed to be it then late on in the meeting if you've got your engine like revving as the rev very high revs your clutch kind of just sort of slowly goes on its own it's hard to keep it back so yeah that's probably my pet peeve for the uh, tapes getting um held down too long yeah it's another another popular point really the the tapes and is there a better way to do it and you know the obviously various theories are in play but um we're still with the original um, elastic <laughs> and a magnet. Yeah, definitely. But I've seen they've done in the Grand Prix. The is it like it's generated differently? It's not a referee what pushes the button down anymore. I feel like that's definitely a, probably a good way to go with people counting and going jumping a tape. So yeah, I hope that's a step forward. Yeah, because apparently that that is a thing, isn't it? That often referees, even though they don't realise, they'll put the green light on and. Sub- subconsciously they they leave the same the same gap every time and so riders who are a bit sharp like yourself no doubt would be w- trying to work out what that count is and uh seeing if you can get a bit of an advantage there yeah definitely it's the first thing you watch for if you're in heat three or four for example you'll um the first three heats you'll count how many seconds is uh holding the tapes down for and if you see a pattern you'll have that in the back of your mind and then hopefully you just go to drop it too early and end up going through tapes Cause I think there's there's a thing uh, that the fastest possible human reaction is something like 0.3 of a second. That's the fastest that you can react if like a light came on that you can that your brain can operate. But you look on TV and you see the tapes leaving the bottom of the pole and the bike already moving. You know, you've got to be superhuman to be able to react to that thing happening in that split second. You know, th- there has to be an element of both look and calculation about it to get that perfect start, surely. Yeah, you're either a hero or zero when it comes to jumping the stars. You're either made a flyer or you're getting called stupid in the pits by your team manager. <laughs> and if you were going to um, put all this together and, and you were going to um, have a a team to race against your team of all-stars, who, uh, which which team, uh, and this is an actual team that's existed, which team would you love to race against? Probably um, Rocks Labs team this year. The uh, winners just to uh, race against them. Um, yeah. Like the likes of them riders, I feel like it'd be pretty tricky considering ties in both of them. But um, probably just, um, yeah, rather Rocks Lab or, or the Dad's Army. Yeah, up the Dad's Army. Um, so your meeting then is going to be on the Torren track. 
which uh, we're going to move the Torrent track into the um, Principality Stadium in Cardiff for the atmosphere. Your team consists of Ty Wolfenden, Bartosz Schmarschlik, Emil Saifutinov, Greg Hancock, Jason Crump, Eric Gunderson and Thomas Gollum, all at the top of their game. It's going to be uh, an immense uh, meeting. Um, we're going to sort the starts out. There's going to be no heats pulled back. Um, the, the referees are going to be pretty clever about letting the tapes up. Um, so it's all going to be good on that front. And your opposition with the Rotslav team of, uh, of last year of 2021. Sounds like a terrific meeting. Um, one final question, Jordan, for you. Um, I noticed that when I'm, I'm speaking to various riders these days that you've, you've all got bits of memorabilia kicking around in your, either in your workshop or, or wherever you are. What's, what's your prized possession as such uh, from your Speedway career so far? I know it's a relatively short career by many uh, standards, but um, what's your prized um, possession from Speedway that you've got? Uh, I'd say it's probably... Um... I have a few good trophies, but it's probably the one that I look at the most. It's probably my first uh, Great Britain race suit. I have that hung up in my uh, bedroom, so every time I go in, I look at that. Um, and I think it's just, I just have that hanging up just to um, remind me of my first time racing for GB. And it was like obviously a proud moment of mine racing for your country. It's always what you want to do, really, in my eyes. So, um, yeah, it's a very proud moment of mine, and I'm just proud to have the suit. And a proud moment for you as well to be wearing that suit, you know, to be there on, on such an occasion where you know, you're representing Team GB. It must be a fantastic experience for you. I think it's just representing your country, waving the flag about, just being like, being proud to be um, from this country, which I'm very proud of, obviously, and I uh, want to represent it good, and uh, we just need to win a few more things under the uh, Great Britain. But what a time to be part of the, the GB setup, though, you know, a lot of work has gone on behind the scenes for a number of years now, and we're starting to see the results of that, aren't we, with winning the, the Speedway of Nations being the first one and hopefully not the last, and, and you could be part of that. Yeah, definitely. I think I couldn't have asked for a better time to involve if I wanted to. So I feel like it's good, like I said, with the SON medal and then beating Poland in the test match. I feel like it's just a start of it, and um, there's been a lot of hard work going on in the background for many years to get to that point. So hopefully we can uh, just obviously repeat that each year and uh, get a few more titles under the belt. Fingers crossed. And uh, I no doubt many people having listened to this this podcast will be watching you a little bit closer than maybe they already were as well and seeing how you get on. But uh, big thanks for joining us and all the best for the season ahead. Uh, Jordan Palin. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I've appreciated it. My thanks once again to Jordan Palin for joining us. And um, if you are new to Humans of Speedway and this is your first time, well, a big welcome along. There's plenty more for you to listen back to. In fact, it'll take you a good couple of days to listen to them back to back. There's loads. Uh, most recent ones, including with Adam Ellis, the 2021 British Speedway champion, someone who we featured at the very start of this episode, Phil Lanning, the multi-award winning journalist and sports publicist who's had a, an entire lifetime in sport uh, and speedway. Ian Stavros Slater telling us tales from the pits. David Howe, uh, a rider and now uh, also involved on the technical side of Speedway, uh, working with Ryan Douglas. And Chris Louie, another of our recent ones, uh, former British champion, world number three, and uh, promoter, of course, now at uh, Ipswich Speedway, amongst many other things. But look at the back catalogue. Uh, have a listen to one you like and um, let us know what you think and we'll be back with another episode very soon and it'll be another rising star keep an eye out for details of who very soon and um, thanks for joining us on this episode of Humans of Speedway
Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.